Hello everybody! <laughs> um, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'm Claire Maxter, this is Wild Ginger on a YouTube channel and I'm live here every Wednesday at 6.30pm. So tonight is a very special night. It is a gear chat night. So today we're going to be talking about all the gear reviews that are up and coming on Wild Ginger Running over the summer and the autumn, including Karos Apex GPS watch, this super light montane podium waterproof jacket and trousers, the arm waterproof skirt or kilt, ooh la la, <laughs> um, the body mapped mesh backed camelback zephyr, and the ultimate direction race vesta 5.0. Um, and the Ultimate Direction belt as well. We've also got some, oh, I forgot the podium pants. Oh, not the podium pants, what are they called? Um, some, uh, the Om, oh gosh, what are they called? The Om Pace Scort. It's like a, a, a short with, uh, with sort of cycling shorts underneath it. Um, so we're going to be talking about that as well, and we're going to be talking about several pairs of shoes, which I literally just ran downstairs because I forgot that I would need them. So we've got, shoe-wise, Brooks Divide. Um, we've got the Hoka Speed Goat 4. We have got the La Sportiva Jackals. I know quite a few people are interested in these. And a new brand for me, the 361 Degrees Tarocco. So we'll be talking about all those shoes um, throughout the course of the evening over the next hour or so. So, so tonight I'm going to be talking all, all about all that gear. There are some gear questions as well from my patrons along the way too. So some of them I've kind of woven them into the chat where appropriate. Um, but just before we start, I just want to say hi to everybody. So we've got Alex DeHoto watching, Sebastian Schernenbeck, we've got Hannah here as well, Nigel's here as well, and Peter Savage says hi as well. So just a shout out to a few of you watching there. So um, I want to say thank you to all my patrons who are really loyal supporters of the Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel. And I want to do a special mention to these guys who have upped their pledges to help me through the coronavirus crisis because all of my other work's been cancelled. So we've got Matthew Walker. Thank you, Matt. Scott Bartlett. Thanks, Scott. Simon Gerhardt. Thanks, Simon. Matthew Coates. Thanks, Matt. And Kim Ross as well. Thank you, Kim. So thank you so much. You are all awesome guys. And if you fancy supporting Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel, which is also available in podcast form now, um, uh, then become a patron. The link is there, uh, www.patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. And you get ace packs like automatic entry into the monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail running gear, uh, joining the exclusive Facebook group and Strava group. Um, there's extra films and uncut films as well, discounts for Mountain Fuel and Innovate and priority given to your questions in my live chats, from Q and A's with me to interviews with elite athletes and running coaches. So, without further ado, let's get to 
um, a group test update. Oh, we've got some more people joining as well. Better read some more names out here. So we've got Ruth here as well. Hello, everyone. She says, Guy Greatrex is here. Hey, Guy, how are you doing? Um, we've got Kenzie Ellis. Uh, we've got Antonio Cardinelli. We've got Matt Badger as well. And John Airy, who's not long back from a run in the rain. Yes, it has been a little bit drizzly today, hasn't it? It's this, I'm really glad about this, though, because I'm doing a waterproof test next. So I'm really glad that it's actually started raining again. Okay, so the group tests update. I've just done a polls test, which Chloe Mason will be very interested in. So Chloe asked the question, did I test the Harrier polls yet? So Harrier is a new brand um, by Kate McKenzie. She's living in the Peak District and um, she has created a load of really reasonable, reasonably priced budget trail running kit, um, an ultra running kit for people. So um, she sent me some polls and yes, I have tested them. Um, they are here, but the review is hopefully coming out on Monday. So I'm not going to talk about these polls tonight. I'm going to leave you to watch the review on Monday because it's not that long to wait. But I will tell you that these polls cost £70 and they're pretty darn good. So um, good things to happen on Monday in that review. Um, so look out for that one, Chloe. Um, I have reviewed, um, you've said you're looking at the Lecky and the Black Diamond Poles as well. I have reviewed a pair of Lecky and Black Diamond Poles as well in that review. So definitely check that out on Monday and see what will suit you best. Brilliant. Okay, so um, in uh, July and August, I'm going to hopefully be uh, putting out a review of some really grippy trail shoes. I know it's not particularly muddy at the moment because it's been really dry, but it's always good to have a nice review of grippy trail shoes. So I've I've actually got um, an, an accomplice, Vicky Mosley. She's been testing those shoes for me because she lives in a much hillier area than me. She lives um, just near Pendle Hill, so um, in the north. So she has much better access to trails where you really need really super grippy trail shoes for. So I've got her doing that test for me. And we're going to film that in June, July together. Um, and then uh, towards the end of the summer, I'm going to put out a review of some trail running head torches. So um, I've had a lot of people ask me about head torches um, and everybody starts to ask me about head torches around the end of August to September. So um, I will be putting out definitely a review of head torches around that time. Um, I've got um, everything that I need from Silver and from Petzl as well. Um, but I just spotted some really good ones from Black Diamond that I wanted to add to the group test. So I'm just waiting for those to arrive. So that's where we are on that one. Um, I also need to do some GPS watch reviews as well over the summer. So uh, look out for a, a proper review. We will talk about this in the live chat now. But this is the Coros Apex, which I've been wearing for a few weeks now. So really looking forward to a review of that one. And also the Sunto 5, which I did... I did a live review of, so it was like about an hour long, um, but I wanna do like a quick kind of five to 10 minute review of this watch as well, because I just think that's a really easily digestible time frame for people um, looking for researching new products. And then come September, I'm gonna be doing waterproof jackets, so hence why I'm enjoying the rain just now. Um, and uh, maybe October might be um, waterproof trousers test as well. So, so keep your eyes peeled for all these reviews coming from Wild Ginger Running over the next few months. So um, yeah, more people have joined now. So hey to Ben Clark and Philip Haddock. Um, and Adrian Camilleri as well. Howdy to all of you. It's great to see you here on the live chat. 
Um, and, oh, um, news just in, Sebastian has switched to the Apex a couple of weeks back and he is really happy with it so far. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I was always a Garmin girl. Now I'm totally, totally down with Coros. So without further ado, let's talk a little bit about my latest favourite watch. So this is the Coros Apex. Um, it comes in two sizes, the 42mm across their diameter and the 46mm as well. So um, there's there's only a slight difference between them. This, I have, I have measured it, it's 46mm across. Um, the guy said he sent me the 42 but I, I think this is the 46 and when it tries to update stuff it calls it the 46mm too. So this is the 46 As you can see, it's not ginormous on the wrist. So if you have small wrists, then it shouldn't be a problem. I, I don't think that is overly big on my wrist. And I've got kind of, I'd say that's a, a kind of a, a normal size of wrist there. So the difference is this one costs, I've seen it for 300 pounds, the cheapest I can see it for. On Amazon, it's 335. So it's kind of like around the 300, maybe just over 300 pound mark. With the slightly smaller watch, it's £270. So it is a little bit cheaper, um, but then you sacrifice battery life. So the smaller one doesn't last for quite as long. But having said that, the battery life on these is just quite frankly astounding. So compared to if you've been wearing a Garmin or a Sunto or a Polar watch, um, that kind of thing, um, or a TomTom -tom maybe, this just massively outdoes everything you've ever seen before in your life. So I did a test and it lasted for 16 days. And previously, I know it's not a direct comparison, but I had a Garmin 225, which I know that's kind of old and it doesn't do navigation or anything like that. But that one would honestly last me like five hours maximum. If I wanted to do a run longer than that, I had to put the charger on it and, um, and get a portable charger and, and hook it up. So so yeah, a huge, huge battery life, 16 days. And that's mostly using it kind of like on average, like once a day for a 30 to 60 minute activity. But I haven't tested it with the navigation yet. I have downloaded a route onto it. And my next step will be to use the navigation function on it. So I'll just, I'll come onto that in a minute after I've talked about a few other things. So it feels really strong, this watch. It looks good as well. Like the thing I like about this, because of the, the battery life on it, it means you can just wear it all the time. So you can wear it just as a basic watch. Whereas all other watches I've had, you've had to remember to put them on before you go for a run and then remember what you've done with your normal watch. So that is a real advantage. You can just wear this all the time. It does give you a bit of a massive tan line if you're like the type of person who tans. As you can see, I'm not, so it doesn't really affect me. But if if you were to wear this watch a lot and, and go out in the sun, you would get a massive tan line. That is not important though, whatsoever. <laughs> um, it's got good GPS and heart rate data. I've compared it with my Garmin watch that I've used um, forever and it's pretty much exactly the same. So happy with the heart rate and the GPS accuracy there. The, the main difference, it's quite similar in use to the Garmin watches and, and the screens, which I'll show you in a minute, but the main difference is this turning knob on the side. So um, this is how you access the screens. Um, what you've got to do is you've got to give it a kind of a turn upwards quite fast. Um, if you can see there, then, then, it, um, oh, then it will come up with either lock or an unlock so if I try to scroll around now I think I already unlocked it that's it scrolling 
and then if you press it you get all the different little things that you can do so you can do multi-sport on this watch so if you want to go for a bike ride or you can swim i'm going to try it swimming tomorrow as well um so yeah i usually use it on the trail run setting um and it's just really straightforward you just start and then it will say acquiring GPS signal. So um, I usually just press start because I'm not that bothered about where it starts. But you can see here that it's got six screens. So I programmed that and you program it in an app on your phone. You can't actually program the watch screens in the watch itself, which you can do on a Garmin because it's got like five different buttons around the side. Um, some people might think that's a disadvantage, but personally, once I've set those screens, I don't do anything with them. So um, to, for me, that's fine. I set these screens. Um, and you can set them differently for every activity that you do. So um, on the bike, you can have different a different screen um, and you can scroll through the screens as well. So can you see there? It's not letting me access it because I haven't scrolled up properly. There's a little lock. You can see that there, there's a little lock. So if I scroll up all the way, it will give a little vibration and an unlock sign. And then I can scroll through my screens. So there you go. I've got heart rate and cadence there. These are just, I don't use these other screens too much because I've got six bits of data that I use a lot on the first screen. So I've just le left those. But those are the main bits of data that I will use all the time on a run. And it's really easy to change them in the app as well. So um, it also has an intervals option. So uh, that's not in the trail run. So I have to stop that one. Oh, I have to scroll up and then I have to stop that one. The turning dial does get a little, does take a little bit of getting used to, I have to admit. Um, and then when you finish this, so, so I've just been experimenting it with it like that, but there isn't any option to scrap that run. Like all there is is resume later, looking at your details and things and finish. So I can't now not have that on my Strava because I've linked it to Strava. So I will have to go to Strava and delete it afterwards. That's one of the only downsides I can see with this watch so far is that you can't actually just scrap a run once you've done it. Um, if you've only run like, if you've only put it on for a few seconds, it will say, do you want to save this? But beyond that, it won't give you an option to not save things. So that is one tiny oversight that's not a deal breaker in my opinion so you can't do intervals on a trail run i have no idea why you have to put it on either track run or normal run or indoor run or just run so let's go for just run so here we go interval training just here and you can actually set a warm-up the, the fast interval, the rest period, and then a cool down as well, and the number of intervals as well that you wanna do. So that's really, really good. That's kind of um, standard what you'd expect on um, a running watch. Um, you've gotta set the repeat, um, the run, the rest, and then the warm up and the cool down, which you can have on or off, which is great. It's perfect. It's what most people need. My coach recently gave me a set where I had three different types of interval to do. So I had like one run slow, one run like medium pace and one run really fast. So that was difficult to do in this watch, but I don't know any watches that will give you three interval type options. This just does fast and then rest. So that's just one thing that maybe watch companies could look into in the future these the option to have like lots of different types of intervals would make it a bit more complicated though so my next plan is to use the navigation function and see how long the the watch lasts for to access the navigation function you have to be in your sport first of all so if i go to trail run there we go and then go in settings 
Then you can go in navigation settings. So then I have pre-downloaded a route here, the Neem Valley 10 mile race, which is postponed for this year, sadly. It was supposed to be this Saturday um, and it is gonna take place in 2021 and it's gonna be the um, 12th of, of June. So uh, book that, uh, you can book it now if you want on SI entries, Neem Valley races, 10 and 20 mile courses. So that, that just says start course or you can, um, deactivate the course alert. You've got, oh, what am I doing here? Okay, elevation details. You've got uh, start point directions, so you can actually reverse the route if you want to go the other way around it. Um, map direction, so that's whether you want to orientate the map or not. So you can have it pointing the way that you're going, or you can have it always with north at the top. I would have it orientated always. Um, and then the last one is deactivate the course alert. So that's if you go off route, you don't want it to beep at you. So I'm gonna try this out next. That's the next thing for me to do. And then I will be able to do a nice little review of this watch and you can decide whether you wanna buy it or not. But my recommendation right now is yes, it's the, my favorite watch out, out now. It does loads, it packs loads in to um, a really, really reasonable price point of like 300 pounds. So really, really recommend it. Multi-sport, intervals, navigation, um, accurate GPS and heart rate um, tracking. And oh the oh the only other downside I, I um that I can see is not that you need to because the battery life is so long but if you want to charge it the charger is here so you can't charge it and run at the same time and my I do know that my Garmin two two five you can sit it in the charger and still wear it on your wrist and it still will work while you're charging it so that was one advantage of the Garmin so that is the charger there's no way that you are going to run with that. Sticking out of, sticking out of your wrist. So, but the battery life is so long that you probably will not need to do that. Just charge it overnight, um, once every couple of weeks. So there you go. That is the Chorus Apex. Highly, highly recommended. So, um, anybody else got questions about that? So, um, uh, Seb says with the latest update, you can program more specific workouts. Brilliant. Thank you, Seb. I will give that a look. Um, and James Frost wants to know, is the turning dial reasonably firm or does it turn too easily by accident if you have long sleeves on? Um, I haven't managed to turn it on or off. I haven't managed to turn it on at all by accident yet. In fact, it's kind of, there's a bit of a knack to doing it. You've got to turn it like a certain sort of speed to actually get it to scroll through. So that is kind of annoying you know like at the end of a race if you want to like cross the line and quickly press your watch you have to remember to scroll up and then press which just delays you by a split second which I know we're not Mo Farah but you know every second does count um so that's a little bit of a downside but the major upside is that you are pretty much never going to turn this on or off by accident because I've done that before with my Garmin 225 I've been messing with my cuffs like the velcro or or doing this and it's turned the watch off and I haven't noticed and I've not recorded like a vast chunk of my route and that was really annoying so so I think that this this turning dial does overcome that really really well um so 
Uh, oh, um, Seb says, it does turn a little by accident, but you need a full revolution to unlock it. So that doesn't happen by accident. Yes, yeah, so that's put it really nicely, Seb. Thanks for um, for that. Um, yes, you can turn it. Um, you do turn it. But as I said before, you need a certain kind of speed and length of time to turn it before it will access all those screens. Cool. Um, mostly functional Jess says is still a bit of out of her price range at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know £300 for a, a watch like this is really good value. Um, but if you don't need navigation and things like that, you can easily pick up a watch, just a fitness watch, which will track your heart rate from the, from your wrist and um, give you all the stats you need, like distance and everything like that. Um, you can pick one of those up, like a Garmin for about £130, that kind of thing. So you definitely don't need to be spending £300 on a watch like this for sure. If you don't want to use it for multi-activity, if you don't want navigation features, um, if you just want heart rate, distance, pace, um, and you're okay with a, you know a few less hours battery life, then yep, you don't need to fork out for a watch like this. Um, Fantastic. So um, Seb says the only complaint he has about the watch is that the app does an estimation of some performance indicators like VO2 max and those are all over the place. Yeah, I was watching another person's review of this um, just to see whether he felt the same way. And I, I'm not sure that I personally, I don't think that watches can really give you a good VO2 max indicator anyway. I think you have to go to a lab and you have to go on the treadmill. You have to have all the stuff on you and you have to get it scientifically tested. Um, but it, it, it does sometimes tell me you need a certain amount of hours to recover fully. Um, and I just basically ignore that because I'm like, well, you don't know me, watch. Um, but it is kind of interesting to know. Um, but another guy was saying in his review um, up to the summit, he was check him out he's done a really good review of this watch um he was saying that he finds that his garmin is a little bit better on sort of judging the metrics of of his performance and how he might recover so um he said maybe it was because he'd only been using this watch for a couple of weeks rather than he's been using his garmin for for like a couple of years now so it could be just the uh, longevity of use there that the watch gradually gets to know you um but i don't really i don't really pay attention to any of those things i just want to know how far i've gone <laughs> um Brilliant. Okay, cool. So if there's any more um, watch questions, then do let me know. But I will be doing a proper five to 10 minute review of this over the summer. So keep your eyes peeled. That is the Coros Apex. So I'm going to move on now to some exciting, lightweight, waterproof stuff now. So we have Montaigne have just come out with these super, super, super light set of full body waterproof cover. So that is a jacket, this one here. I might put it on in a second so that you can see exactly what it looks like. Um, and also a pair of trousers as well. And they both come in these little bags. Um, I won't include the bags in the weight. The, the bag is like 10 grams, so you don't have to keep it in this bag. I would just tie elastic band around it, to be honest. Um, and so these are the waterproof trousers as well. There we go. So very good that it's been raining lately, so I've been able to get out and wear these. Um, so where to start? Let's start with a jacket and let's put it on. Ah. <laughs> would help if I undo the zip so as not to get lost in it. So this is the Montaigne Podium Unisex Pull-On. It is £110 and it weighs 
almost the same, 112 grams. So let's call it 110. Basically, it's a pound for every gram. Um, and basically, it's a very, very super thin, super light waterproof jumper because the zip only goes down to here. So it's a smock design rather than a full on jacket. Now I really like a full zip jacket because if you're wearing a backpack, like, like so over the top, if you've got a full zip on, you can actually unzip and pull everything out underneath the backpack and you don't have to take your backpack off and then you can kind of squirrel it into a pocket somewhere. If you've got a smock design, you have to take this off in order to take the smock off. So they've done that obviously because it um, makes it lower weight not to have a zip all the way down. Um, the other thing you can do is buy um, a smock type jacket which is one size too big and then you can just put it over your backpack and then that has the added bonus of keeping your backpack dry as well. So that is one thing to think about. Um, but let's just go through a few of the features here. So the zip down to here, one nice touch is that it's got a popper point just here, fastens to here. So you can ventilate the jacket without it flapping around too much. The hood is okay with a ponytail, which is good considering it is a unisex jacket. Unisex basically means men's, by the way, just so we all know. <laughs> um, but the hood fits quite nicely with a ponytail, which is good. It's not got any adjusters or anything. Um, it's just elasticated, but look at the fit on that. That's nice. And the peak sticks out quite nicely there so that the rain doesn't just go fall onto your face. So you've got a little peak there so you can get like a little waterfall effect there. Um, there's elastic. Can you see that just there? That's really cool. Um, the cuffs are elasticated just here and then they've got a kind of a peak to them here as well. So really nice for rain to sort of fall up, um, sort of kind of easily drain away there. Um, obviously the same on the other side. Um, the logos are reflective. There's one just here um, and there's a reflective logo on the back at the base as well. You can't really see that. I'll show it you when I take it off in a minute. And that is all there is to it. The Oh, the hem is elasticated, this hem just here. And as you can see, it's ever so slightly see-through. So if you were wearing a race number, you could pop this over the top and you would still be able to see your race number. I quite like that. Um, it's super, super light. It's 110 grams. It's 100 pa 110 pounds. That is not that bad for a super, super lightweight jacket. If you do race, a lot of races and you just need to carry mandatory kit and you don't think you're going to need it, but you have to carry it anyway, we will talk more about that for um, for Paul's question later, then this is a really good option. Um, it, is, it is waterproof. Let me just take this off. It's waterproof and it says inside here that it's got a hydrostatic head of 15,000. Um, which is good. That's good enough. It's good for like moderate rainfall. Um, you wouldn't want to be wearing this like day after day after day after day necessarily in Scotland, like doing hiking. Um, but for a race, um, if you need to pack a waterproof and um, you need it to be really lightweight, then this is really good level of waterproofness. If you want more information on hydrostatic head, that I found a really good website which explains it really well. It's basically the measure of how waterproof um, a jacket is. Um, and basically anything from kind of like 
3000 can be considered waterproof but most waterproof jackets from reputable companies will be more like 10000 to even th- uh, yeah even 30000 so that the most waterproof jackets you know like for consistent rain in Scotland they're going to be like 30000 hydrostatic head but this one is half that and that is plenty for a trail race especially if you're trying to go a super lightweight and you just want something to throw on if it gets really 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 grotty outside i'll just show you that other reflective bit on the back so just at the base there that's the base and it's got the montane via sign there and that is the the waistband so there's no elastic adjusters there's no pocket it it's basically just a jumper uh, a waterproof jumper <laughs> to put on with no pockets um the trousers are I'll get to some questions in a minute as well because I can see there's some. The trousers are really simply elasticated at the top. Um, they're also the fabric is kind of stretchy, so it's just a little bit stretchy like that. Um, not so much in this direction, but in the sideways direction, it's more stretchy. And that means it's easy to run in these. So you can bend your leg fully in these. And one thing I really like about them is the zip just here. Um, the lighter the trouser is, the less kind of features that you see on them, but it's really important that a waterproof trouser has a zip because otherwise you can't get it on over your shoes and you just, you can't be buying a pair of waterproof trousers which don't have some way of getting it on over your shoes. So they've got an open zip there and then they've got elastication again around the ankle so that you can, you um, so basically it doesn't flap around. So really really impressed those are the podium pants they are 80 pounds and they weigh 97 grams so if you add them both together you've basically got full body cover for like 200 grams which is absolutely astounding imagine just carrying 200 pounds 200 grams in your pack i think this phone weighs 300 grams so it's less than the weight of this phone maybe does it weigh 300 grams i can't remember anyway it's about the weight of the phone um so let's just see if there's some questions about the podium stuff. <laughs> breathability question. Oh, I love a breathability question. Um, Guy Gray, I'll come to that in a, just a second, Philip. Um, but Guy Greytrek says it looks like the Innovate Ultra Shell. Yes, it does. Also, a very lightweight see-through um, top and bottom for races. I should get them in, shouldn't I, and, and do a comparison with both of them. Um, yeah, basically it's it's really good um and it's not too expensive as well because a lot of the time you find with this super super light kit it just gets like the prices is like sky high and it's just out of the question but with 110 and then 80 pounds that's like 190 quid for the lightest weight stuff on the market which is is not too shabby and you know in a couple of months time who knows who's going to be selling it on ebay or who's going to be selling it on um i don't know some like online discounters people might have a sale there might be a discount code that kind of thing if you just wait a bit you can often get this stuff for a lot cheap a lot cheaper um Nigel Barnett said that hood would be roomy on my head <laughs> yes yeah well it's it's elasticated so it just went elasticated around my ponytail Nigel if you haven't got as much hair as me then you will also be fine <laughs> so um let's just get back to Philip Haddock's question which is how is the breathability of the waterproofs so um I have, I don't know if it's a unique opinion amongst gear testers about waterproofness and breathability, um, but 
But basically, m my opinion is that no waterproof is breathable. They all say that they are, but I have never found a waterproof jacket where if I'm not running full pelt and it's not that cold outside, I've never found one where I won't sweat underneath. So for me, the important thing is to have wicking, quick drying clothing on underneath and, and to not wear too much as well. And to only put that waterproof on when you absolutely need it. So if it is drizzling, but it's not cold, you don't necessarily need to wear your waterproof. I spent a whole day running around the Isle of Man in really drizzly weather, but it was really warm. I was kind of damp, but I was really warm. So I didn't need to wear my waterproof. The thing is, you just have to put it on before you get too cold. And that, <laughs> that's the bit where the experience has to come in because you have to put it on before your hands get too cold to do the zip up. With a smock kind of design like this, you don't have to fumble around at the bottom for the zip. It's really easy just to do the zip up here with even with cold hands. So that is one advantage of a smock design over a, a full length zip design. But the breathability of the jacket comes down to, I think, personally, the use of the person using it. So, so you've got the venting here. You've, basically, you've got a big hole for venting here. You've got, you can pull the sleeves up very ever so slightly. Um, just very slightly you can pull the sleeves up because they're they're not too tight around the wrists here um and you can put the hood down um you can um yeah just just take it off if you get too hot otherwise you will sweat i just i just genuinely don't know anyone who can run at full pelt being really sweaty wearing waterproof without getting wet inside so just it's it's more breathable than obviously a bin bag or a plastic bag something like that but you've got to help your waterproof out you've got to ventilate you've got to not put it on until you absolutely need it and that is how how you get a really breathable waterproof in my opinion it may be controversial do hit me up in the comments below if you don't agree oh let's see some people have um been uh, been writing in nigel barnett said it's similar to the om halo a very basic waterproof it kind of is i have got an om halo it's in the other room though so I, unless i rush out and get it which would look bad um this is a little bit different the om halo is it's got a quite a plasticky inner it's very it's white uh, just pure white kind of pure white plastic looking inner this one's actually got a load of hexagons on it um and they're kind of if you touch that it's kind of um uh, there's a texture to it so it kind of keeps it a little bit away from your skin just very very slightly um, and it just feels like a little bit more uh, comfy against the skin um, having it like that this is basically a layer called the scrim this this layer here it's what you will find in you know like a three layer hiking like a heavier hiking jacket and then if they'll have a coating on top of it which makes the jacket the bright red or the bright blue or the whatever color it is that's the outer bit this is more fragile as a jacket you could easily puncture this you know like on barbed wire that kind of thing um so you've got to be more careful with a lightweight jacket like this um catherine agrees with me she says always get sweaty in a waterproof jacket yes take them off take them off unless you really really need them um, um, mostly functional Jess also agrees. Yay! <laughs> Some people agree with me. Um, she says, pretty convinced there's no technology that can actually create a breathable waterproof jacket. Do you know what is breathable and waterproof? Your own skin. <laughs> it's just because we get a bit cold, isn't it? That we have to put other stuff on top of us as well. Um, and John Joe 70 says, true, you can run wet for a long time if it's not too cold. Hey, Kurt Steeders just joined us. Hey, Kurt, how you doing? Um, 
yeah, so John Joe says they are expensive, these good jackets. Um, he's just paid £120 for an Aussie grit jacket. I know, it is expensive, but all I would say all you need as a trail runner is two jackets. I know that sounds a lot. <laughs> you could get a really cheap one from Decathlon, like you can start there, but you soon find that you'll want something with better features, you'll want something that feels more comfortable, um, and you, you just... You, you you just benefit from those features and it can be worth the money if you're really invested in your sport. And if you think about it, trail running's not that expensive of a sport compared to say, I don't know, like Formula One <laughs> or like horse riding or mountain biking, stuff like that's way more expensive right from the get go. So count yourself lucky you don't need a mountain bike, John Joe. Um, but yeah, it can be a bit expensive and I know it's okay for me to like talk about, oh yeah, it's only 110 pounds when like I've been sent that to test. But I think that it is worth investing in a waterproof jacket more than any other thing. <laughs> I think a good waterproof jacket, a good head torch, um, and uh, yeah, the, those are the, the two things because they can really get you out of a sticky situation. So yeah, I would definitely invest in one of those. And there's loads of deals all the time as well. And um, and yeah, just take a look on, um, on all the websites that are selling off, you know, like old stuff um, as well. <clears throat> yeah, and John Arias just commented about the breathability working by allowing sweat droplets. Well, it's actually sweat um, vapor. It, the, the jacket will let vapor out, so gas out, but it won't let raindrops in. So the holes are too small for the raindrops to penetrate, but they will let vapor out. The problem with that is you have to have what's called a positive um, uh, temperature gradient between the two layers. So if you're, if you're too cold to be creating sweat vapor, if your sweat has condensed into droplets it won't be getting through that breathable layer it because it can't because the raindrops can't get through and sweat drops can't get out so you have to be warm enough inside that jacket for any kind of breathability to work um usually you are but if you're sat around um you know if it's an emergency situation or you're injured or you're just having a rest then you probably won't find that your jacket is as breathable um so yeah, it's about experience and it's about using that jacket well as a piece of equipment. It's a tool, isn't it? It's a piece of equipment. Okay. Um, and Ben Davis says that material looks like the outdoor research jackets, like the helium. Um, yes, it, it probably very much does. This is, um, I had a look and I think this is one of Montaigne's own fabrics. It's not even, it's not Pertex, it's not um, Gore-Tex or anything like that. Um, there isn't much information on it apart from this here just says 1500 hydrostatic head waterproof. Okie dokie. Um, great. Oh, Hannah says she likes her decathlon trail jacket. Yes. Well, in the waterproof test that I'm about to do, I am getting a jacket in from decathlon, which I think is 55 pounds. So yeah, great price point for beginners. Definitely nothing wrong with uh, a budget version like that. Um, yes. <laughs> and Alex Dieter says, what about a good t-shirt? Yeah, exactly. Just get wet <laughs> in your t-shirt. And uh, John Airy says he meant vapor. I think, yes, you did. I'm sure you did. Um, oh, Jess has a good idea. It was worth scanning the charity shops as well. Um, yeah. Oh, she's picked up jackets for under £10 before. That's a really good idea. I never ever thought to look in charity shops. Don't know that there are many in the charity shops in Stamford, but you can but try. 
Um, great. Uh, there are also some good like Facebook groups as well, like outdoor gear. I think there's a, a, a outdoor gear for girls um, swap and sell Facebook group as well. So you could always try on there. Even if someone's not selling something, you could say you could put a shout out for something. Has anyone got an old this, that or the other? Um, and somebody might have something um, that you need. Okay, so that's waterproofs and look out for the waterproof test on wild ginger running before, well, kind of towards the end of the summer when we're gonna start really needing waterproofs. But the next thing I wanna talk about is this exciting little number from Om. It is a waterproof skirt. Has anyone ever worn or heard of a waterproof skirt before? Like I have been wanting one of these for ages. Um, I, I basically think it's my idea. Um, <laughs> but this is basically an umbrella for your thighs. So, um, this this one from Arm um, is a good start, I think. Um, and if we can get more people wearing these, then that would be great. Uh, there's a few things that I'm kind of like, hmm, about it. It's, it's, let's start with the basics. It's 55 pounds and it weighs 70 grams, which is kind of basically hardly anything. Um, and it's not just for girls, obviously. Um, blokes can get it as well. I don't know how big it goes, um, but why not wear one if you're a bloke? It's basically a kilt. Um, it's got a very slim waist. So this is a size uh, small slash medium. Oh, that doesn't bode well for the blokes actually. <laughs> and the way you open it is you, you open this little, little toggle here um, and you just pull it all the way out. So slide, 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 like so, and it comes off like that. Then you can open it all the way out like this. You can see the inner just there. Uh, waterproof material, 2.5 layer fabric there, and you can pop it around, oh, you can't see. There we go. Pop it round, oh, you can see all the gear in my messy room now. Um, yeah, so pop it round, and then here, you have just got a very small bit of Velcro, it goes from here to here. And so that doesn't give you a lot of options for if you're slightly larger. Like, I didn't think I was that large, I'm only 32 around this bit, inches, but apparently that's, quite large if you get a small medium skirt from the arm. So there we go, pulling this round and clip it down like that. Then you've got waterproof skirt. So it doesn't go super low, it goes to just middle of the thigh. Now if I was making my own waterproof skirt, I'd be tempted to go kind of two inches above the knee kind of thing, because that doesn't give you loads and loads of protection. I like the way it's kind of a split design because it means you can really move your legs left and right. That's fab. Um, but it is quite tight. And I wouldn't say that I'm like a particularly huge person. So it's a little bit on a think that women have very small waists. We don't always. <laughs> so I think I would I would more comfortably need like a large version of this. I don't usually order anything in a large, so that was a bit of a shock. Um, but yeah, and then and then this bit here, it's a little bit like a little bit kind of faffy. I'm thinking like maybe would a button be easier? Just like if you had like several different buttonholes just here, that would be easier. And I think I would make it a little bit longer as well. Um, just to, if you're gonna cover the thighs, if you're gonna have an umbrella for the thighs, have an umbrella for the thighs, like make it really big. So it would be interesting to sort of 
um, test the skirt a bit more and just feedback to arm and kind of like work together on that because um, I think it's a really brilliant idea to have a waterproof skirt for like both male and female it's like a kilt um, and the, the one of the advantages of wearing such an item rather than waterproof trousers is that you don't get as hot um, the main area of your leg that gets wet with running is your thigh, the top of your thigh, because it's always pointing upwards to the sky. So it's good to have just a little bit of um, weatherproofing on that. What I've done in the past is if I get a bit hot but it's still kind of rainy, I'll put my waterproof jacket around my waist and then I'll swivel it round so that the back of the jacket covers my thighs. So that's that's one way of kind of doing it. So that's why I was thinking a bit longer might be needed. Um, so yeah, the advantages are that you keep cool and you protect the, the area of your body that's most likely to get wet on your thighs. So it's a great idea. I really like it. Um, but I would need to test this one a bit more and I think I need to ask them for a bigger one. Um, so uh, there we go. Um, so lots of people still talking about the um, jackets, um, uh, but here we are, talking about the skirt, okay, so Hannah has said, very interesting concept, she has some Aldi running trousers with waterproof panels on the front of the thighs, <laughs> see my budget theme, they're great in cold wet conditions, yeah, that's a good idea, um, that is also an option, to have running, like running leggings with more of a waterproof kind of fabric you know like a soft shell kind of like a shirler fabric or something like that on the front of the thighs because that is the area that will get the most wet um the other area that gets really wet is like the back of the calf as well so maybe a little bit of a waterproof fabric on the uh, back of the calf okay great um uh, Kurt, Kurt is with me he says he's thinking that you can't wear that like a kilt because it's a little bit too short <laughs> Um, and Brand Van Diemen says something would dangle. I, guys, you still gotta wear shorts with the skirt. It's not just like a one piece thing. <laughs> um, cool, okay, so we've covered the the, sh the skirt and now I just wanna show you the Om Pace Scorch before we come on to some questions from the audience. Prior questions. Okay, so this is the Pace Scorch, also from Om. Um, and basically it's a, a skirt on the top bit and uh, little uh, sort of cycling shorts poking out from underneath. And I like this because usually when you get a trail running kind of squat thing, the little shorts are really, really high up. And my thighs always rub together when I run. I like, I've been the thinnest I could possibly get in my life and my thighs still rub together when I ran. I do not have a, a thigh gap. so. Um, this is really good because they're so long that they don't ride up and you have no problems with like any kind of thigh chafage here. So full marks for that. Um, they are kind of heavy. Um, they, they're 60 quid and they're 160 grams. And some of the other shorts and squats and things that I've had in the past um, are a little bit lighter, like more like 100 to 130 grams. So they are a teeny, teeny bit on the heavy side. Um, the other thing is that the waist is really tight 
it's like some of the women testers at OM have got a really, really narrow waist and they've made everything really narrow. So these were so comfy, apart from the waistband was just too tight. So um, I basically need to like go up two sizes in OM stuff now, but the legging bits were fine. They're kind of unfitted, which is kind of nice. So they're very comfy. Um, ones I've worn in the past have had like little rubber bits just in here, like cycling shorts to keep them down. Um, but these, they were quite comfy. Um, but I just, I can't wear them because the waist is too tight. Um, they have got a couple of pockets here, um, for gels, which is nice. Just here, a little Velcro closure pocket, mesh pocket there. That is quite nice. Um, and you could even, the, the Velcro closure is, is really secure. You could put a key in there. So happy with that. I always like to be able to carry a key in things. So, so yeah, so again, these are, um, uh, women's medium. So either I've got really fat in lockdown or, or like no waist or, um, or, or arms waists are getting smaller. Um, but great, two great products. And the thing I love about OM is that they're always up for innovation. They're always creating something new, something exciting, and um, you can guarantee that it's gonna be good quality, whatever it is. So um, yeah, so if you go for one size up, you can't go far wrong with these two products. Okay, next thing is a question from Paul Hamilton. Ham, sorry, Hamilton. Paul says, um, oh, Van, Bran Van Diemen has a question. Can you separate the legging from the short? No, you can't. Um, it's sewn in and that is, yeah, it's kind of a, a squat kind of thing. So you can't ever separate it. Um, yes, yeah, so sorry about that. You can't separate them out. Um, so the first question is, goodness me, I've been chatting for 48 minutes already. I'm not gonna get through all this. Okay, really quickly, Paul Hamilton says, how much of the kit list do you have to carry dependent on weather conditions? His question is here. Where is it? Here we go, right. Um, how much of the kit list do you actually have to carry in an ultra? Are you expected to carry everything or can you select, pick and choose dependent on weather conditions? Basically, if it's mandatory kit, so like if the race organizer has said, this is mandatory, you must carry it, then you've got no choice. You have to carry those specific things regardless of the weather conditions. And, and that's there for your safety because they know things you don't about the course or you know they've, they've got to put those things in place just in case. It might be a beautiful day, but if you stop, if you get injured, if you have to stop for somebody else, not just yourself, then you need extra things to put on so that you don't get hypothermia, etc. So for example, the Felwinning Association has a mandatory minimum kit for their longer races. Um, and that comprises of waterproof whole body cover. So that's um, what I just showed you with the Montaigne podium jacket and trousers there. So it's got to have taped seams, which is what makes it waterproof. You can have the most waterproof fabric in the world, but if you sew it, it's got little holes in and it's not waterproof anymore. And they, they specify that you've got to have an attached hood as well. So you can't just uh, take the hood off to save a few grams. Um, you've also got to have a hat. You've also ha got to have a pair of little gloves. You've got to have a map, paper map, and a good old fashioned compass and a good old fashioned whistle and a little bit of emergency food as well. So so all races will differ, but those are for fell running races. I just picked it as a random example. For example, if you do the Cape Wrath Ultra, which I did two years ago, there is a huge mandatory kit list 
Um, and you've got to take like a mandatory first aid kit and a mandatory blister kit, which is really, really specific. And they will check you each morning. We had to provide to them two different items that we had to had to take with us. So um, most race organizers are really strict about this. So you it's really it's that, you know, it's their livelihood that's on the line. So you've got to respect what they say you've got to take. Um, so, yes, once you've got the mandatory kit and you've got all that packed, it's up to you what else you take so if it doesn't look like a really particularly bad day and they haven't said you've got to take waterproof trousers you can choose to leave them if you want to so beyond above and beyond mandatory kit that's your decision but mandatory kit is mandatory if it's just a kitless suggestion then do pick and choose at will um depending on your experience level and depending on your own needs but if it's mandatory then it's mandatory so i hope that answers your question paul Okay. Um, oh, this is an interesting one. Alex says he has been in a boiling midsummer race where during the briefing they announced we could leave our waterproofs behind and everyone made a big pile on the floor at the start. Oh, that's good because most race organisers would just make you run around with them anyway <laughs> for safety. Okay. So then Arlene Matlock wants to know the difference between the Camelback Ultra Pro vest, seven litres, which I have gone on and on about because it's my favourite pack at the moment, and the Camelback Zephyr vest, which they brought out this March. So the Ultra Pro, um, it comes in men's and women's. I've got the women's specific version. And the great thing about Camelback is that they actually do do a women's specific version that actually fits women. Um, it's not just a small version. Um, they've actually done different measurements for it. Um, so a part of the, the main thing which is difference between them um, is the size. So this is a seven liter pack, the um, Ultra Pro, and the newer one, the Zephyr, um, this is slightly bigger. I would say you could fit like 12 liters of stuff in here. Um, it's got a much bigger back compartment there. Um, and this is a unisex vest as well. It doesn't come in men's and women's fits. Um, so the seven litre one here, um, the uh, the Camelback Ultra Pro, which I really, really love, that's £100 and it weighs 240 grams. And that's including a couple of 500 milliliter bottles, which is around 80 grams of, for the pair. This one is a slightly heavier. It's only slightly heavier though. It's like 23 grams heavier. 220... 263 grams, including a couple of 500 milliliter bottles, which again, weigh 80 grams for the pair. Um, and it's 110 grams. So it's, sorry, it's 110 pounds. So it's, um, it's uh, 10 pounds more expensive. And again, if you have a look online, um, both of them are probably available for lower prices now. Um, this is the 500 milliliter bottle it comes with. I really like these because they, they don't have a bad taste to them. Um, they're, they're really, really good. Um, so, uh, right, so this one's bigger. Um, and the other major thing that's different about it is that at the side, it has these side adjustments. So it's really good if you are a larger person, you can fit into this pack and you don't have to worry about the sizing of the pack. Lots of different sizes of people can wear this pack. So if you're sharing it with your partner, for example, you could share it if your partner's huge and you're, you're smaller, you can cinch those side adjustments in and you could both wear the pack or you can lend it to a friend, that kind of thing. This pack, on the other hand, is more of a waistcoat design. So it is got that 
um, at the side. So you cannot adjust that. You have to just buy the right size. It comes in like small, medium, large, etc. So you have to buy the right size. This one is a small and I'm a size 12 woman. It's a teeny bit, I think I should probably go for the M. If I got this again, I'd probably go for the M because um, it is a little bit small on me. Um, but it, I can fill it full of stuff and it still fits. So so it's all right, and it prevents me from taking too much things, to be honest. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's really really good. I really really like this pack. The reason I really like this pack is because of the side pockets. So there you go, side pocket, side pocket. On this one, you miss out on the side pockets because it's got these adjusters there. Um. So, and the other thing about this pack is, I really like this pocket here, which has. An opening just like here sewn left and right and you can just fit your phone in like that which is really handy if you like to take a lot of pictures which I do that this one strangely has that feature still here you can see it's sewn left and right like that but it's it seems to have been done like that by someone who didn't realize what this bit was for um, well, actually, maybe I didn't realise what it's for. Maybe it's for gels. Um, but a gel will fit in there nicely. A phone will not now fit in there. Ah, oh, just very slightly. It's a real struggle to get a phone in there. And that is not going to come out easily. So, yes, um, maybe this one's just stretched. <laughs> maybe it was exactly the same. But anyway, I, that's what I found. Um, so, yeah, that's the main difference between them. Um... This one has an updated uh, back mesh to it. So Camelback actually, um, they measured the sweat rates of men and women and where that sweat occurred. And they've actually put different la different types of weave here to reflect the, uh, the most hot areas of a woman or a man's body. So if you look at the man's one, the mesh is actually slightly different because of the like typically men's sweat in a slightly different way. So that is very interesting. But, and it's, it's a really interesting feature, but I just think it's not entirely necessary if I'm being brutally honest. <laughs> it's really nice, but like the amount of research that's gone into that, you could probably just put into just making the packs a bit cheaper, couldn't you? Um, but no, no company ever wants to hear me say that. That, that mesh is the same all over. It's absolutely fine. Um, so, um, yes, so that is the difference between them. Um... The poles attach, I'll just show you where the poles attach, from here to here, like that, on that pack. And I'm going to show you a pack in a minute, which is slightly different to that. Um, uh, let's just see if there's any questions about things that I need to have a look at. Uh, mandatory race questions. Um, can't see any. Uh, people talking about littering. Absolute disgrace, disgrace. Yes, I totally agree. People are talking about littering. Um, yeah, don't don't litter anyone. No, no excuse for that. None of us do, do we? I never do. Once I was in a race in Italy, the Extreme Dolomiti, amazing race. I don't know if they do it anymore, but if you ever can race in the Dolomites, go. It's absolutely stunning. Actually, don't race. Just just walk around, taking it all in. It was a shame to have to run past it all, to be honest. Um, uh, yes, and I collected loads of wrappers and crap along the way. I collected 
a whole pouch worth. I had this raid light pack which had like a pouch in front there. I shoved all the gels and all the, the like energy bar wrappers and everything I found, I shoved it in there. And then at the end, I showed the race organizers and they actually they were so they were so excited that they did an announcement of it and they they said like a big speech in in Italian and and like I had to like go at the microphone and say something like yay I collected all the litter um but they they loved it they they were really grateful um but yeah who are those people dropping litter like seriously do do we not run in these areas to for, for the beauty and why would we spoil them by just dropping a gel wrap on the floor the only reason I would ever drop one is by accident um yeah so yeah that's what I think maybe people are doing but there was a lot on that race for sure okay I do want to show you another backpack now it is um oh, all the way down here oh yeah okay Yes, so another backpack, uh, it is the Ultimate Direction Race, uh, Race Vesta, I think. Yes, Race Vesta. It is, um, it is £120, so a little bit more than the Camelback stuff, and it weighs, it's very, very light. It's 237 grams, um, which is just a little bit lighter than the Camelback one by about three grams, nothing really. And it's got two of these um, 500 milliliter bottles, which are a little bit heavier than the Camelback bottles at 88 grams for the pair. So that's like eight grams over than the new Camelback bottles. Um, yeah, so it, it's a little bit different this pack in that it's it's kind of a similar, similar to the Ultra Pro. So it's eight liters. Um, and it's got loads of useful features on it, um, but there's a couple of things that are just a little bit, uh, that make it less likely for me to use this than the Camelback one. Like the Camelback one seems to have just been designed for me. I know that not everybody likes the same features on a backpack, but I just feel like recommending it a lot. Um, so the clip-on is different. The Camelback one is like a clip, like a so. Clip. This is the chest clip. Clip. You need both hands to do that and to undo it. You can't have two cold hands, they have to actually function. This one hooks on. So you can sort of, if you get good at it, do it with just one hand, like so. I'll just undo that bit. And this one, this one was harder, but you can, like once you've got it in the right loop and you always use that loop, um, it kind of stretches a bit and you can get it in a lot easier. So there we go, all tied up like that. The slight strangeness about this pack is that these 500 milliliter bottles, which it comes with, if you fill them really, really full, like right to the top, um, they kind of don't fit. <laughs> like um, you push them down as best you can like that, but they're kind of, they're still this, bit that pokes out and you can't get into this pocket very easily when they're here as well so maybe you could kind of put them in this pocket like this like that maybe that works but they still can you see there they stick out and what you really want is to be able to pull this up like this and pull it in like that you can just about do it but see the strain there and then see how hard it is for me to now get my hand into this pocket here it's really difficult to get it in and you could kind of hang it under there 
but then it kind of pushes the bottle up. Um, so it's hard to access this pocket, it's not quite stretchy enough. And the pocket goes all the way back here, like all the way back here. It would be easier if the pocket opened up there, surely. That would be easier if it opened there and then you could just get your hand in there. So that is, that is strange in my opinion. Um, poles are attached on this one from here is this is easy you don't have to take the pack off of this so that's good the these are like pole straps here so you just attach them like that and then the base of the pole um goes here through there sorry there you go so it kind of goes kind of across down the side here which is is very easy um the only thing is that you can kind of like catch an arm if you don't if you're kind of running with your hands quite close to yourself you probably don't but you, there is the slight danger of like just catching yourself slightly um which is why i like to put the poles across here but then that can hurt here on the on the whatever these are called um yeah so yes yeah, still haven't quite got the perfect perfect pack for carrying poles i don't think personally um but yes so that is one of my main sort of hmm about this ultimate direction pack because um, Ultimate Direction make really popular packs and loads of people love them. Um, but I'm just like, but the Camelback one works better. So that's just my opinion anyway, you might really love this pack. Um, then at the back it's got this really good bungee which is super useful for like extra stuff. Um, oh and I really need to talk to you about the fit system as well. And then this pocket here, a zip pocket, you can just get to and you can just get your hand in like so just um and you can just do it up again whilst on the move so that's good and you can also get in the top there i like to just shove stuff at the top there like a waterproof or something that's really good as well okay <laughs> ah somebody has suggested um opening the pocket with a pair of scissors pair of scissors and the pocket can open there yeah i know but ha, yeah i'll probably have to sew the other bit of it up wouldn't i um, the other thing I would really like to show you about this pack is the cinch system, which I also believe to be superfluous. I'm so sorry, Ultimate Direction. I, I do appreciate that a lot of design goes into this and a lot of hard work and a lot of research goes into this, but I just, I just don't think the cinch system is necessary because you wear a pack like this, the Camelback Ultra Pro, if you get the right size, you don't need to cinch it in around the lumbar spine. So it is it is good, like it is nice. You basically you pull this and see it it pulls it inwards. And you can't really demonstrate like that. So look, if I hold it like this, pull it in, oh like that, you pull it in and it's tighter around the lumbar spine. And then if you want to make it less tight you undo it like that and you pull these bits out like that i just think it's it's just i've worn so many like running packs which don't have this and that i don't have any problem with a, a bad fit so i just don't think it's necessary and on one of these packs that i've had before in the past um this bit sort of curled and it actually stabbed into me and i didn't like that so yeah, it's it's amazing how light they've made this. It used to have a, a plasticky system there. They've changed that for a 
um, a sort of a, a strip of material just there. And but these bits are all plastic as well. But I just don't think it. You, don't, you just don't need it. Like you can get all the adjustment you need by buying the right size pack in the first place, and then pulling it in across the chest. So, sorry, Ultimate Direction, I'm not with you on the cinch fit, soz. Um. Uh, Ernesto Glez is here. He says, finally, I catch the live stream. Hi, you've caught the live stream. Woohoo! That's because I've been talking for far too long. Um, uh, da 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 da. Okay. There we go. <laughs> uh, Alex says, ultimate direction, messing up the final 10% of their design again. <laughs> yeah, it's strange because I'm sure they use. Um, I'm sure Jenny Jurek, um, Scott Jurek's other half, designs the pack, um, designs these packs, especially the women's packs. And I just don't, how can, how can women be testing these packs? Because when I wear them, I just find that I can't get my hands in the pockets and I can't, and things just aren't quite right. So yeah, I'm very sorry about that ultimate direction, but I hope those points are constructive. Because um, I, do, I do know how much, hard work goes into designing these things and I do know that gear manufacturers have to come up with something different you know something to sell the product something to talk about but sometimes the thing to talk about is just that it all works um anyway moving on so ultimate direction little race uh, belt here uh race belt 5.0 so um yeah really simple basically um a nice uh, race belt with uh, velcro closure just here Nice, nice and Velcro-y. And the uh, thing about like about this one is it's Velcro all the way along. So you can be a right fatso and get into this like me. So that is excellent. Well done, Ultimate Direction. It comes with this bottle, 500 millilitres, 44 grams. The whole thing weighs 100 grams, 105 grams. Oh, bottle is 48 grams, sorry. It's 40 pounds online at the moment. I'm sure it'll be less in the months to come. So here you've got a stretchy bit. This, this came in here like this, in this stretchy pocket here. Um, and then this bit here is a zip pocket. So you can put like keys, phone, blah, blah, blah in there. Um, the, the thing I like about this is if you haven't got a bottle in here, like, or if you've got a smaller bottle in here, you can actually use these bungee bits to put a couple of poles across. Um, and the great thing about them is that they've got this really good closure system so you can you can pull it single-handedly to tighten it like this or and then you can loosen it really easily pressing those two buttons here but you can look at this you can unhook it like so and then you can put poles in and then you can hook it back over and then you can tighten it absolute genius that is a bit of good invention that is that's absolutely brilliant really really good really like that so that's good. Only problem is you can't really use that when you've got a full bottle in there. Um, the other thing you can put through there is a waterproof jacket, just like sausage that along. Um, and uh, there's also a key pocket here. I presume it's a key pocket. Could also hold electrolytes, but probably more like a key pocket. You wouldn't want anything too bulky because this is the bit that goes through here. So. You don't want anything too bulky or you won't be able to get it through there. Um, if you don't put it through there, you have to step through it like a hula hoop. Um, otherwise, you can just do this. 
dun, dun. oh you can't see da -de da through here like so and boom so you can wear it at the front or i prefer to wear it at the back like that there you go and then that can bounce it up and down to its heart's content so i can't really wear waist belts too much um they tend to just like because i've got a waist they tend to sort of rise up like this and you don't want to tighten them around here because that will hurt you so it, i have to sort of get them over this bony bit of my hips here um and so waist belts don't work terribly well for me um but this one is good and i am i am giving it a go so thanks ultimate direction maybe not the pack but the waist belt is for me right blimey we've got more questions to answer and oh my goodness it's an hour and 10 minutes in i'm sorry this is taking so long everyone um oh but there's 62 people watching which is a, a record so obviously something good is happening oh it's time to talk about the shoes okay so the shoes the shoes the shoes peter savage says um peter savage says i'll be interested in what you make of the speed goat fours my twos are on their last leg so we'll move to the fours soon i suspect they're not your type of shoe oh now that is that is something to say peter why would they not be my type of shoe well the first time i wore hockers was in 2013 it was at the end of my well the first time I seriously wore hockers was 2013 at the end of my Bob Graham round. So hockers used to be these huge cushion things. And the last 10K of the Bob Graham round in the Lake District, absolutely hideous, massive 42 peak challenge. Don't ever do it if you're thinking about it. Um, it's far too hard. Um, so it's 10 kilometers of road at the end. And I thought, oh, I'll change my Adidas Adizero XT shoes, which had given me no blisters all the way around, to these huge, giant, squidgy hocker things. And I put them on, did the last 10K, got horrendous blisters within 10K. Um, and so much so that I couldn't have gone on further than that, further than the Moot Hall. I got blisters between each of my toes because the toe box was quite small. And that is relevant because Hoka have made the widest toe box, um, regular toe box ever with this new Speedgoat 4. Um, so that's why I'm ranting about the old one. So I, I haven't been the massivest fan of Hoka's um, because of the whole small toe box issue for me. I've got quite wide feet um, and I'm sure a lot of people have, especially after you've been running for miles and miles. So this is the Speed Goat 4. Sorry, it's a bit muddy. The first run I took them on was like near my sister's house in near Sol in Solihull, basically. And it was like a massive mud fest. Far too much for these cleats to handle. It was like more of your mud claw type mud and even that wouldn't have worked. Um, so, so, so this is the speed goat four. I have to be honest with you. I have not used the three or the two or the one. Um, so I'm just coming at this as a new shoe perspective. Um, but here are my thoughts. So the shoe is 125 pounds. Sadly, that's kind of standard for a trail shoe these days. Um, it's got a four millimeter drop, which is quite low for a lot of people. Um, but fine for some. For me, it's quite low. I'm used to like more like a 10 millimeter drop. Um, I get plantar fasciitis problems if I go too much low drops too quickly. Um, it's kind of, yeah, kind of reasonably light. It's 520 grams. And this is a size six, UK six. That's my size. 
The main thing about these shoes is they are insanely bouncy. It's honestly, it's like running on marshmallows. I have not tried a shoe apart from the On Cloud Venture shoes, which are also insanely bouncy. They're those ones with the arches under the um, the thing. Don't wear them in deep mud, they'll just get clogged. Um, apart from them, these are the bounciest marshmallowy type of shoe that I have ever, ever worn in my life. It was, it was very nice running in them, very nice. Um, the fit is good, like for a size six, I would not advise having to go up or down size. However, the toe box is still not that wide. It is wider apparently than previous incarnations and previous Hoka shoes. Um, it feels okay, like unless it's like really, really hot and your feet swell or you're running really, really far. But I'd prefer to get the wide toe box option for these shoes if there is one. I have researched this and Hocker say, hi, currently we are unaware whether we will have a wide version for this particular model. Yours truly, the Hoka team. So this seems to be the widest they'll go on the Speedgoat 4 for the moment. Um, so for me, still a little bit narrow, but for people who don't have super wide feet or have used Hokas in the past successfully, this will be a welcome upgrade. The, it's really comfy, like the, the fit, apart from the like the narrowing of the toe box just too early for my feet, it's really, really comfy. So the sole rolls really nicely. It's got this like really nice roll to the sole. Um, and it kind of, I feel, I feel like it encourages me to, um, to not heel strike, to kind of forefoot plant or kind of whole foot plant as Shane Benzie wants us to do. Um, and yeah, um, it is quite cushioned. So if you have, um, if you're running on quite a lot of hard stuff, then that's really useful. Um, it is quite cushioned. It, so it's not as low to the ground as the shoes that I would go say kind of mountain and fell running in, but for trail running on like good paths with the odd bit of grip needed, like muddy bits, then absolutely brilliant. The grip is super good. It really bites really well. It's got these like um, kind of, I don't know, Space Invader type cleats there. They, they look like the old computer games, don't they? Um, it's it, it bites really well, but obviously if it's like really deep glute, you're gonna, gloop, you're gonna need like, you know, that like your Innovate Star mud claws, kind of football boot type things. Um, but yeah, for all round use on trails, really nice grip there um, and really nice cushioning. It does make all my other shoes feel really kind of hard and flat, the cushioning in there, even my beloved Brooks Adrenaline road shoes. So yes, I think a thumbs up for the Hoka, last, um, the Hoka Speedgoat 4, really, really nice shoe. Just, I would just like a wide fit. That's that all I require from you, Hoka. And also maybe a uh, eight mil drop, <laughs> just for us plantar fasciitis sufferers. Right, let's see if there's any questions about this shoe. Um, James Frost seems to think there is a wide version of the Speedgoat 4, so why on the Hoka website itself did it tell me that they haven't got one yet? There is for the other Speedcoats, Speedgoats, um, yes, if you could Google that, James, then that would be good, because I honestly, I read in, on the actual Hoka website itself, currently we are unaware whether we will have a wide version for this particular model, yours truly, the Hoka team. I don't know if this old or not, so if you know something that I don't know, please type it in the comments below. Hmm, so yes, how long will they last? I don't know, lots of people saying that um, the Hokas last a long time. Rich Simpson is also saying he's always gone a size extra. 
Um, and he appreciates the cushioning on long runs. Yes, exactly. I think a size extra would be good. Like if I were buying these in a shop, I would definitely try the size up or at least like the half size just to see whether that toe box would be a little bit wider. It, it would be, but see if that would work for me. So that is another option there. So think maybe, maybe half a size up. Um, James says there's definitely a wide version. Check the link. Well, that's good news. Fantastic. Check the link. Okay, I'll check that later. No one needs to see me do that now. But James Frost reliably informs us there is a wide version. If there isn't, all around to James's house and uh, give him what for. Okay, so Pete Savage, I hope you were interested in that little review there of the last, uh, not last Sportiva, that's the next shoe, the Hoka Speed Group 4. I will be doing a little 10 to 5 minute review of these uh, coming uh, soon. Um, so watch out for that as well. Um, aha. Oh, yes, please, please update me on this wide version of the Speedgoat 4. We need to get the bottom of this before we finish the live broadcast for sure. We've got uh, Mysec Nowaki um, looking for it now. It's available in wide in the US, not sure in the UK. Okay, so there's definitely a wide version hanging around, just whether it's available in the UK. So I think we safely say there is a wide version of this, and I don't have it, and I need it. Okay, yes, Guy says there's a wide as well. So what were Hoka doing, Re replying that to somebody's question? It must be old. Okay, anyway, thank you everybody for the on-the-fly research. Oh, now my keyboard is covered in mud. Um, okay, now we move on to a much-anticipated shoe, the La Sportiva Jackals. Okay, so these are, they have been used. Um, the Last Sportiva Jackals, they have a seven millimeter drop. They are 130 pounds, so very similar in price to the previous shoe, the Hoka Speedgo 4, and they are heavier. They are for 540 grams. Um, that's not like super, super heavy um, for my size of shoe. Um, the lightest shoes at the moment that I've just been trialing are a shoe that I cannot tell you about until the 15th of June. Um, it's the new um, Scott uh, Supertrack RC2. I'm not allowed to show it you until the 15th, so sorry about that. Um, but that is 500 grams, those, that pair of shoes. So these are a little tiny bit heavier, 40 grams. It's not loads, but, you know, every gram counts for some people. These feel very substantial, like they feel really protective. Um, there's a lovely wide toe box as well. Like look look at that, look at the difference between that and that. Like look at where the curve starts. Look at the roundness of the toe of the jackals compared to the speed goats. And you can see that they're completely different. This is very pointy, this is very roundy. Like whose who's foot points? No one's foot points. One day I'm gonna invent some shoes. Okay, so I really like the shoe and I wanna wear it more. Um, the grip is, um, is kind of just like road to trail grip, I would say. I'd say this, is, this shoe is good on roads, it's good on trails. For gloopier stuff, you would want a proper full on like aggressive um, grip, you know, like the uh, Salomon um, Speedcross or the, um, like, obviously, like the Mud Claw or something like that, or the Cross Claw from Innovate. So um, you'd want a bit more of a muddy type grip for really super muddy stuff. But this will get you through most stuff, you know, like at this time of the year. Um, it's really comfy inside. 
The heel cup is especially comfy. However, it's kind of hard. So on my left foot, and is that the left? Yes, this is the left. Only on my left foot, it kind of digs in this bit here. I think I need to wear them more. It digs in, but no other shoe does, like no other shoe. Oh, sorry, I'm gonna sneeze. I've been sneezing a lot today. It's hay fever, I think, after the rain. Um, so basically this shoe um, kind of digs in at my ankle. And trouble is I have been sneezing like 10 times in one go, so you could be, could be in for a treat there, guys. Um, stop sneezing. Uh, so yeah, this digs in at the ankle. So you, well, I definitely have to wear, I definitely have to make sure I'm wearing a pair of trail shoes, tra trail socks with a bit of a higher ankle so that there's no chance of the sock slipping down and leaving me open to this area. I don't know if it's just, I need to wear it more. I have been wearing it walking to sort of try and wear it in a bit, but it, it's definitely really substantial around the heel cup area, which is great if your heel fits it, but not great if your left heel like mine doesn't quite fit the mold. Um, so that's one point to look out for. It may not affect everybody, um, probably doesn't affect everybody. The other thing which I, I'm really sad about because I really like these shoes is that this eyelet here rubs on my foot. It doesn't on the other shoe. So I, one of my feet is bigger than the other as we all have. Um, but it is just really ouchy and it would mean that I would have to put a plaster on if I was going to before I even start running, if I was going to wear these for any length of time. Apart from those two little fit issues for me personally, this shoe is an absolute dream of a snug fit. So you pull the laces. See, I love this type of lace. Look at that. They're kind of roundy but flatty at the same time. And they really hold it, hold in place. None of this cheese gratery newfangled thin lace that people do. Um, and you can really get a lovely fit this there over the 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 like the the what that what's that bit called this kind of like the midsole of your shoe oh it's lovely the fit and the tongue is super comfy as well you can get a really nice fit in these i really really like these but it's just they are a teeny bit heavy and it's just those two fit issues for me with the little rubbing areas but i will continue to wear them to see if i can you know beat them into submission um, yeah, so that's the only thing for me for those ones. Um, then, um, we've got, uh, uh, let's just see if anyone's got any questions about those. Oh, new phone who just says a lot of people complaining about the jackal heel collar online. Yeah, exactly what I found. I just found that no other shoe gives me a problem at the heel, but those ones do. It's almost like they've gone for the walking boot side of sturdiness when it's not quite required in the same way in a trail shoe. Um, oh, Guy said bless you for the sneeze. Oh, thanks, Guy. <laughs> um, uh, and Brown Van Diemen says it looks like a good follow-up of the Akasha. Is the tongue padded? Yes, I've worn the Akasha, and that is a very nice shoe also. And I think... If I remember rightly, I think I did have the same sort of ouchy owl here issue in the shoe. I, it must just be my feet for that. Um, but I could probably cover it with K-tape or something like that. The tongue is padded. It's padded really nice. It's like, oh, it's like a dream. It's like a nice suede material inside. Look at that. It's really, really nice. So I would say to you, definitely try these shoes on. I know that it's lockdown and this will be difficult until probably July when stuff starts opening again. But I would definitely say, hang on, try them on, run around in the shop um, and see if they fit your feet because they are lovely and I will try and wear them a bit more. 
Um, the other shoe I have been wearing lately is the Brooks Divide. This is a very nice road to trail shoe as well. Um, it is £100, so slightly cheaper than most of the other shoes on the market. Like a bit bit of grip, good good amount of grip for and good amount of cushioning for both road and trails. Um, and the drop is a little bit more friendly to me. It's eight millimeters, so if you need a little bit of a higher drop, then um, go for Brooks Divide. Very can't go wrong with that. It's quite light. It's five hundred grams, so that is nice and light actually. That one. Um, these they're quite high off the ground. That's the only thing with these ones. Um, you if you were doing fell running or like mountain running you'd want to have a bit more of a lower profile shoe so that you're not so high off the ground in these you kind of feel like you're running on top of a wedge of comfy foam um but that's that's the only thing um and i'm sure as you wear them you kind of your foot kind of molds to the bottom of the shoe and you and you feel a bit more secure in it but that's the only, that's the only thing that i had with these ones otherwise it was a really nice like road to trail shoe and not too expensive there as well at 100 pounds i'm sure you can find them cheaper online as well um, I just will mention these ones because these um I've put a few posts on Instagram lately and people have gone, you're not wearing trail shoes. Um, that is because it's been really dry around here, and in my opinion, you don't have to wear trail shoes to run trails if there's no mud. <laughs> so the reason that you need the grip is for the mud, and if there's no mud, if it's hard packed, then you can get away with a slick road shoe such as this especially if it's super comfy. So this is the Brooks Adrenaline GTS. I've been wearing these for a few years now because of my plantar fasciitis problem. And that is because they have a 12 mil drop there. So that is like the only shoe that I can wear for vast amounts of time without like it kicking off. So um, I've got these, they are 39, so they're a UK six. They have a nice wide toe box. I think they're a D width. So they are the widest you can get from Brooks. Um, and I just really recommend them if you, um, have a lot of hard packed trails and I just wanted to mention this so that you know that you don't have to always wear trail shoes um, like people are like oh the first thing you do when you run trails is got to buy a pair of trail shoes you haven't you can just go in your road shoes if it's a canal towpath with not lots of mud on it or it's some hard packed trails through forest and as it's not gloopy it's you don't need the grip you don't need the grip and you can you can get away with wearing something like this so if you're comfy in road shoes um, and it's not gloopy then go for road shoes so yes um uh, oh the other pair of shoes that i have is um yes john joe says for technical running you need to feel the ground yes you do but for trails which is mainly like paths and stuff with like maybe some routes and stuff like that you can get away with road shoes so i can run i i could probably run most trails with this um but i am quite experienced um yes uh, you you would want less you would want less cushioning if you were going to the mountains and you were running on like some super rocky stuff but even so I've climbed mountains in these and they've worked well as a tool um you don't want to turn an ankle on really gloopy stuff so yeah you do want a little bit less cushioning but I just think um go for comfort go for comfort there um, you need a kind of a whole range of shoes, really, depending on what the route is. But around here, it's not very technical, so don't really need that many, um, much grip. Um, ah, interesting. Um, John Joe says, road shoes can be great on hard pack trail. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Um, uh, Robin Townsend says, those Brooks shoes cripple her feet. The arch support is really far forward. Ah, oh, really? That is so interesting because... 
in the Scott shoes, I find their arch support really far forward. So they make um, a blister on like the inside of my arch. So that's really interesting. It just shows you, doesn't it? You you can't listen to a shoe review from somebody and go, oh, I need those shoes. You've got to try them for yourself because it, it's a, an ongoing process of because it's so personal. Um, uh, but Rich Simpson had a pair of the Brooks and they were super comfy and they lasted seven months in Afghanistan. Brilliant. There you go. That's fab. So the last pair of shoes that I want to tell you about is this one, which is a new brand for me. Um, this is the 361 degrees um, Tarocco shoe. Um, it's got a nine millimeter drop, which is quite good. Like if you're trying to get a bit lower with your drop and the price is 95 pounds. So that is quite a bit lower than your, than say your Jackal here at 130. Um, they're, they're also a little bit heavy, like the Jackal. They're 535 grams for the pair, um, size sixes, I think this is. Uh, yep, size six. Um, the, the, the ride is quite hard feeling, um, especially compared to the Hokas, which are like marshmallows. Um, the toe box is quite wide, which is nice. Um, I just found this shoe like quite a nice all-rounder. Like there's enough cushioning, there's, they're quite low to the ground, but not too low. And then you've got this nice amount of grip here, which is good for like road to trail. It's not gonna handle like super gloopy stuff. Like none of these shoes here will handle like super, super gloopy stuff. But this bites in, you know, like nicely. It's not not quite as nice as the, the Hoka ones. Like these like really bite in super nice. Um, but yeah, for road to trail, trail running this is is a nice shoe so um so yeah check them out if you've not tried this before i don't know how many shops will be selling them but it's it's an option you know it's it's an option kind of heavy but cheaper than than the other ones um yes uh as i've said before the scott super track rc2 um which is 135 130 pounds um they're super light um i'm not allowed to tell you about them until the 15th of june though so i might do a special little broadcast for the patrons about that with like first thoughts about that shoe so uh, if you would like to support me on patreon and find out first hand knowledge about the shoe then uh, then don't hesitate to sign up wild ginger running uh no patreon.com slash wild ginger running um Oh, <laughs> Ernesto Glez says, what is the average salary of people in the UK? Hmm, well, average, I think it might be about 25 grand. Right now, in COVID times, probably some people, zero. Um, so yes, trail shoes are quite expensive, I think, over here. And that is one of the main reasons I became a journalist, so that I didn't have to pay for things. Um, uh, John Joe said he wouldn't pay more than 50 pounds for trail shoes. Um, trail shoes are usually cheaper compared to road shoes for some reason. Um, I think that's because the market is not as big. So you can get loads of people paying like £220 for road shoes, you know, like those strange Nike ones with the carbon fibre, what name in them. Um, some people from my running club pay 240 quid for them. It's like, wow, you can go on holiday for that. Um, but yes, 50 quid for trail shoes. Yeah, you can get quite a few trail sh shoes like last season in the sale. If you know your size that you need, you can get them online for like 50, 60 quid um, perfectly. And Ripper218 says, are the jackals well cushioned? Yes, they are. They're very, very nice. Very well cushioned. Okay, if you can take that uh, heel. Um, okay, so Hannah Neal uh, had a question. 
um, about all-rounder shoes, which I might have just already covered, actually. <laughs> she says her current shoe is the Tra Salomon Speed Cross 4. Um, she runs most, most of her runs feature roads and hard tracks. Um, so maybe she would be more suited with an all-rounder shoe. Um, yes, that could quite possibly be the case. Um, I've got this kind of mantra, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like if you're fine with whatever shoe you're wearing, get the same pair again and again and again, because don't change anything unless it, something's wrong. Um, that's, that's what I think, just in case. But if you are finding that um, maybe the grip is wearing down quicker because you're on hard surfaces all the time, you know, like roads, tarmac, that kind of thing, um, or if the shoe is less comfy because the, the like the large grips are pressing into your foot when you run on the hard surfaces, then you could consider a shoe with more cushioning and less grip, like some of the ones that we've just been talking about here. Um, so I use the Brooks Adrenaline, a total road shoe, for example. As, as much as I can get away with, I will use that shoe. <laughs> um, so then um, there's a question from John Watts, which is the final pre-ascribed question of the evening. Um, and then we can all go home. Um, John Watts says, hello, I'm looking for a cushioned trail shoe recommendation, which is not Hoka. He's tried them and doesn't like them. Um, he's currently in a Salomon Speedcross or Sense Ride 2, but he needs a bit more cushioning for longer runs. He's considered the less whatever Akasha or Bushido, but thought he would consult the hive mind first. So, yes. So, um, I would say you might be interested in Scott, John. They have a nice kind of wider toe box. Um, so for example, the Supertrack RC have a really good grip, but they're also quite cushioned as well. Um, the Scott Kinabalu as well, that had a nice grip, kind of similar to the Salomon, um, uh, the Salomon Speedcross, but with much more of a, much even more cushioning, I would say. Um, so they're fairly cushioned with a lot of grip. Um, you, you might also be interested in like the Ciccone, like Peregrine or the Exodus. I think the Exodus is quite old now, so you might be able to pick it up quite cheaply. That's very, uh, very grippy with lots of cushioning. Um, and the, yes, the Akasha are good. Um, and, and now the Jackal also is uh, nice and cushioned as well um, with a fair bit of grip there. Um, I would say you'd probably want a little bit more grip than that if you're looking for a grippy shoe. I wouldn't call that a very grippy shoe. So you might want to um, go um, for, I don't know, something like, uh, I don't actually know the rest of the, the last Sportiva range that well. Um, so maybe like um, the one, uh, the Bushido maybe that you suggested there. Um, uh, oh yes, I could also recommend the Brooks Divide. Um, that's also a, a very cushioned um, it's not that grippy, but it's kind of grippy. It depends what kind of grip you need. Um, but the Brooks Divide is quite cushioned as a shoe. Um, uh, yes. And yeah, I think if you're going well with your Salomon Speed Crosses, then they are quite cushioned. Um, and maybe there's some also some hive mind chat as well. Um, ha! Alex wants to see me review a pair of the Nikes with the carbon plate, <laughs> they would be lost on me. Apparently somebody saw somebody in those shoes running like at, at, like really slowly along, just jogging along a canal path in them. Um, and they were like, oh, they're wasted on that person. You never know what sprint set that person been doing prior to that. But yeah, <laughs> um, Robin said her fell shoes are great and cost 25 pounds. Wow, what were they? That is cool. Um, and oh, we've got another update on 
on the uh, Speed Goat 4 from James here. Thank you, James. So on the Speed Goat 4 wide, the extra width is apparently two millimeters all the way down the side of the shoe and not one millimeter, which I said previously. But the reviewer said that's what he read and he did not measure it. Hmm, two millimeters. That doesn't sound like a lot, does it? Two millimeters, like that much. I was hoping for like a wide shoe might be a centimeter bigger in the toe box, not all the way around. Like I don't need a wide shoe, I just need a wide toe box. You know, ultra, but without the zero drop stuff. Or top, I need to get some topo shoes because they're five millimeter drop. But thank you for that, James. That is really, really useful. Um, JB Scott says, if you can afford trail specific shoes, then you should for the extra protection you offer. You can wear road shoes, but you can also wear flip flops also. Yes, you can wear what the hell you like on the trails, JB Scott, that is for sure. Um, yes, uh, yeah, my road shoes are fine on the trails. Um, uh, 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 everyone starts with speed cross in the Netherlands. Yes, a lot of people have the speed cross, a really, really good shoe, especially if you're making your way into trail running. Um, da, 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 da. lots of chat about lots of different shoes. That's good. Great. And John Watts says lots of ideas there, so thank you. Great, oh, I'm glad that's helped you, John. And thank you very much for that question. That's that's really good. Um, so yes, um, it's probably time for, for me to stop chatting now. <laughs> so it's been an hour and 40 minutes. But thank you all for watching. It's been great to have you here tonight. Um, do check out the rest of the channel. There's lots of gear reviews on the channel and um, I know gear reviews are very popular, so I will be doing more of them. I do like to do group tests. Um, but group tests are harder to organize. There's and like loads of people, they'll send something and then, you know, it'll be ages to wait for the next thing and you can't do the whole review until they've all sent something. So I think I'm gonna have to start doing just some individual reviews just to kind of get rid of this backlog. So do expect some five to 10 minute reviews of all the stuff here over the next sort of like few months. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for, for those reviews. Um, but also just, I just want to say that shoes is really personal. You've got to try out a few and you've sometimes you've got to make a few sadly expensive mistakes before you find the right pair for you. Once you've found the right pair for you, buy 10 of them, honestly, and keep them in a place where they're not going to, um, you know, disintegrate or anything like that in the sun. Keep them in a dark cupboard and hope that your feet do not change shape for years. Because uh, if you find the perfect trail shoe, buy a million. And that is my best advice to you. Um, fab. Okie dokie. That is it. I'm going to go now. Thank you so much for watching. Um, if you've got any more uh, questions or comments, then do type in the comments below. I will do my best to reply to you as best I can. Um, and it's been great to have so many of you watching tonight for such a long time. Thank you. Feels uh, very, uh, <laughs> very flattered. Um, and if you want special perks, if you want me to pay more attention to you answering your questions more than anybody else's, then do take a look at my Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Um, you also get like really good perks like um, automatic entry into the monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail running gear. Nobody else is allowed to enter. Um, much better chance than uh, of winning that than the lottery because there's only 140 patrons. So you've got a really good chance of winning. 
um, there's a second prize and a third prize as well. So three prizes every single month. Um, you also get to join our exclusive Facebook group where I put um, uh, notifications about what's going to happen at the lives and we do meetups as well. Well, we will do meetups when we're allowed to meet up. And um, there's extra films as well, like uncut films. Um, and there's discounts for Mountain Fuel and Innovate. And, um, and yeah, your priority given to answering these questions on these live chats, which are usually Q&As from me or interviews with elite athletes and running coaches. So thanks guys. Oh, there's loads of nice comments. That's really nice of you. Cool. I'll read some of these out and then I promise you I shall go. So Ruth says, thanks. It's been very informative. Um, uh, Saatchi J says, I am with you, Claire. More wide toe boxes, but please, for us with dino feet. Yes. Yes. I'm like, who has feet that are shaped like this? Honestly, who has pointy feet? Nobody has pointy feet. Everyone has feet like this. Run over. Okay, Robin Townsend. Thank you, Claire. JB Scott. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. Um, Mostly Functional Jess says, thanks for the stream. Uh, John Joe 70 says, good advice. Thanks, Claire. Um, Saatchi J says, thanks, Claire. Ace as always. Uh, Brian Van Diemen says, everyone wash their hands. And um, John Watt says, thank you, Claire. Great livecast. Um, the Anarchist says, uh, physical fitness is very important. Yes. I think so. <laughs> Ernesto says, Ernesto says, adios. And Brand Van Diemen says, he's still waiting for us all to come to the Netherlands. Yeah, well, maybe we can once lockdown is over. Cool. Okay, without further ado, I shall bid you all good night. Have a lovely Wednesday and I'll see you for, make sure you watch the polls review out on Monday. I'll see you next Wednesday. We've got, who have we got next Wednesday? Oh, oh, we've got Professor Patrick, um, Professor Patrick Wilson, who has written this amazing book called The Athlete's Gut. So he's going to tell us everything we need to do not to feel sick on ultras and what food to eat and what's best for us. So if you've got any questions for him and you're a patron, then then definitely type it in the exclusive Facebook group and the patron page when I launch that. Probably put something up on Monday or Tuesday. So get thinking about your questions. The Athlete's Gut everything you need to know about what is going on inside you whilst you run and what best to fuel your fuel your body with so tune in next wednesday for that amazing live chat same time again 6 30 p.m um on wild ginger running youtube channel bye everybody bye